Linux Out Loud is firing up our mics, connecting those headphones as we search the community for themes to expand upon. We keep the banter friendly, the conversation somewhat on topic, and we have fun doing it. This week, we're continuing that conversation we had with Bill. Let's jump into episode 80. So here I am in the studio all by myself, no Matt, no Bill, no Nate, but don't worry. There is so much left over from episode 79. Actually, the recording of that episode was almost two hours long. So instead of giving you one really long episode, I've broken it up into two. Let's pick up right where we left off. I'm super jealous of some of your newer hardware, though, and that is additional monitors. I'm right now running three monitors, but they're not all the same size. And there's something to be said about running multiple monitors that are all the exact same monitor, the same configuration and that flow between them. Now, you picked these up apparently on a Black Friday deal, but that doesn't matter. I'm jealous. I'm so jealous. I did pick up some new monitors. and. Believe it or not, they're really just for work. So what you guys can't see is what's to my right. Mm-hmm. And that is where I keep my, my work system, which runs Windows, unfortunately. <laughs> but that's the, that's the reality I work in is the nature is, of it, the yeah. job that I, that I have. But one of the things that is always holding me back is that the help desk management system that I use has, has a lot of horizontal scaling that always mm-hmm. forces me to scroll left and right across. So I picked up these three monitors that are 2K and I am in the process of putting them on a proper arm on my desk. And then that way, when I stand as part with the sit stand desk, I'm not stooping down like this to look at oh, the monitors. Yeah. My, my plan is if this setup works here, then at my office office, which is about 15 minutes from here and undergoing a lot of construction right now, when we finish the remodel, then I'm going to replicate the same setup at that other office. Nice. So I'll be able to have all of my network software in front of me at a resolution where I can see more per pixel and more per square inch of that monitor, which will make my life a lot easier, especially where I'm dealing with, let's say, a diagram of a floor plan and then a web page where I'm dropping access points on it, having more real estate means that I can actually work a little bit more efficiently. Yeah, I love this. I know that you probably won't share pictures of that one, at least publicly, but I would love to see what it looks like when you get it put together. What kind of arm are you using? Is it an arm that'll support all three of them? Or are they on their own arm? The The arm is a single unit and the arm can move in and out. It can move front and back or up and down. Yes. And that was also on a, on a Black Friday special. Very I nice. the actually the most important thing that I got for it though was a metal plate to put at the very base of the monitor stand because if you're not careful and this is what happened to me the first time the whole thing will pitch forward. Ooh. It's too much weight for the base of the arm. So imagine holding dig into a, the wood. Exactly. So or or it just completely lets go and falls down. So imagine you holding a, a 20 pounds suitcase in front of you like this or closer to you like this. If you hold it in front of you, your arm's going to want to drop. And that's 
what happens with, with monitors sometimes. Right. I've not attempted to mount the 49 inch monitor that I'm using with you guys right now onto an arm. I'm, I'm afraid. That takes a pretty special monitor. So right now I've got my 32 inch monitor that I've had on an arm. I've actually dropped it down to the desk when I added this 27 inch on it just so I could get everything in the proper position. But I got that arm because it had the specifications to take some of the extra weight and the base on it is quite a bit larger than some of the other ones. We got Nate doing some measurements back there. So I know that I got an arm specifically that could take the extra weight. And I know I paid more money for that arm. So it could take the additional weight of this larger monitor. But it is. It's so nice to have monitors on the arm. So the TV that I'm using as a monitor is mounted to the wall. And that was kind of a pain in the butt. It's really only nice to use if I'm standing because also sit sand desks. I'm standing right now. So this one's only really comfortable to use if I'm standing. My main monitor isn't as comfortable to use because on the stand that it came with, it's just a little bit too low. If I'm sitting, eh, it's okay. If I'm standing at my desk, it's definitely a bit too low to have my keyboard at that comfortable position for my arms. You know exactly what I mean when you're dealing with that. So I would like to get some more and I've seen an arm that will hold up to four monitors, which right now that's my goal. That's my dream. That's what I want. I want four monitors. So it'd be three across the bottom and one at the top above the other ones. Hopefully. Make sure it tilts a little bit towards you. Yes, Otherwise, yes. you're really going to have a problem with your neck. Think neck position. Well, that's part of the problem with this one over here to my left. If I'm sitting, is you end up with that kink neck position. And then my chiropractor gets to see me all the time because I'm like, oh, I've been working. Actually, the impetus for <laughs> replacing the monitors that I had was a problem with looking at spreadsheets. Mm. If I had black lines on the white spreadsheet, the monitors would start to squeal. Oh, very high pitched, like a blown capacitor kind of a squeal. And it got to the point where I had to take all the lines out of the spreadsheets in order for me to be able to not have to wear earplugs or headphones when working. That's horrific. Like, holy crap. (laughs) Not fun at all. So I said, enough is enough. If I'm going to spend money on monitors, I'm going to do it when they're on sale. And I'm going to get ones that have... A decent rating because I think some of the things we forget about are there are three parts of a computer that we interact with all day long, your Mm -hmm. keyboard, your mouse, and your monitor. You stare at your monitor for hours at a time. You handle your keyboard and mouse for many hours at a day. Make that experience as comfortable as possible. Yeah. Yeah. And that's definitely the goal with the eventual four monitor setup is not only to make that experience comfortable, but just to make the workflow flow better. That's just an absolute horrible sentence. But I'm curious when you actually have this all set back up, how it's working. Do you like these monitors that you purchased on a sale? And I know you mentioned before, like pre-show, that color was something that you were concerned about. Now, I don't, you don't do really any color work. So why was color at the top of the list for you with these monitors? When I do a network layout, We use a term in IT called a heat map. And what a heat map is, is how much Wi-Fi signal saturates a given space off of an access point. And that is measured by a color usually. So I want to look at, I I may not be as color 
specific as you are when you're doing photography or other artistic editing, but I want to have clarity so that when I'm placing an access point in, let's say, a room that has concrete walls versus wood walls, I know how much Wi-Fi is going to go through those concrete walls versus the wood walls. So So it's more like having more colors. So a a panel can represent more colors. So you get that fade, you get that transition between the colors on your monitor. Yeah. Correct. Nice. And the refresh rate, of course. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't need a migraine from, from doing my job. It's, it's, I love my job, but just like any other job, it will generate its own set of migraines. I don't need my equipment to also be. To also add to that. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, definitely. Your equipment should make your job less of a headache, not enhance the headache that it already is. Exactly that. Right. That's how we are dealing with. Well, I mean, but we are dealing with other headaches and that involves construction. So I am not an expert on construction, which is why I work in IT, but we are in the process of remodeling the office. And one thing that I'm learning about remodeling and construction work is that you are always going to find things in your walls that you were not expecting. Uh-oh. So as we have found in our walls, we found things like cloth wiring cloth insulated wiring that's attached with metal staples that's rubbing (laughs) against the cloth wiring and worn it out to where outlets are being grounded to the staple or improperly grounded outlets in the ceiling and one of the things that i really appreciate about my boss is that he comes from an electrical engineering background and i've learned so much about just good electrical safety best practices from him so he's been a huge asset to me. And I've enjoyed going through some of this with him, you know, ripping lights out of ceilings or doing sheetrock and tape, because those are skills that I don't really have a lot of experience with. And I'm getting a chance to learn some of that as we go through this process. So goodbye, faux wood panel walls, goodbye, orange shag carpet. And we move on to the 20th century as we say goodbye to 1974. Very nice. Very nice. You know, I would say that that would make a better working environment and better for, for sure. Yes. <laughs> I think you should preserve one area of the of the uh, facility to still have that 1970s look and put like a nice MSI 8080 there doing its blinky blinky thing, you know, with some faux wood walls. I think that'd be beautiful. My coworkers and bosses and everybody else that's affiliated would strongly disagree I wish that I could keep a vintage section like that, but that would mean that would be the first thing that the clients get to see when they walk in. And I'm not sure that's the right impression that we would mm. want to give off of our facility. But so many cli- of your clients are remote. I mean, you travel all over the United States. You know, I'm. I'm we do have people can- that come in and visit us from time to time. We'll just tell, tell them we're preserving our heritage. I should do that. <laughs> I should tell them we're we're preserving our <laughs> our heritage in this unique museum space that we've curated just for for visitors. Just just for visitors. <laughs> As meanwhile, you know, home assistant is setting all the smart lights to go on and off, and <laughs> all the other yeah, a collision of like two a, worlds, like an a, a uh, an automation or, or a scene, a 1970 scene, and we'll, it'll like drop a disco ball and dun, 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 you know, and, and everything else. That'd be great. I have no words. I'm 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 at a loss <laughs> at this point. Okay. Well. 
So I see you're also using tail scale at work. Is that just, is that for everything or is it just between you and like something at work? We're starting to look at using tail scale for a variety of purposes. Now, one of the neat things about tail scale is that you can connect to not only just one machine, but to an entire network remotely. Right now to test it out, we are using it to connect different client sites to each other that need access. Hmm. And one of the things that Tailscale does really well that some other VPN solutions do not is limiting the machines in which a person has access to. So, for example, one of my schools is using Tailscale to connect their finance team to their financial management server, but only that server. They don't have access to the rest of the network. They can connect to that server and that's it. Mm-hmm. So, that's one of the benefits that I'm using to try to get tail scale into our clients is you can narrow the scope of what your users need to be able to access. So putting security first in that respect. That's really cool. Yeah. I I'm also experimenting with tail scale. I don't think for like any kind of commercial deployment, but I, I I'd like to at some point not here for the show because it would take that basically that'd be a show in and of itself. But I would like to talk to you about Tailscale and some other implementations. We did a, an evaluation of Tailscale, like a testing and an exploration on Linux Saloon of Tailscale. And I've been using it ever since and I love it. So yeah, Tailscale is pretty cool. I, and, and this is something I think we should definitely continue I'll be to chat happy about. Happy to you chat with I. you about it offline. Talk about our offline and online chat. Yes, at least off air anyway. Off air, we're not actually live off podcast. I don't know. Well, somebody goes to the air, I'm sure, somewhere. Somewhere, yeah. There is yeah, air Wi-Fi. connecting There's us. Wi-Fi, yeah. <laughs> so, Matt, I see that you've been checking out a new kind of game launcher. Now, this is surprising to me that you would be interested in a topic involving gaming. Never. Really, just no, it's kidding. weird. Never. I but I'm always never, interested right? in this kind of a thing because we need more open source game launchers. So tell us a little bit about this. So most people are gonna that are involved in the Linux gaming sphere are gonna know about Heroic Launcher. It is the all-in-one launcher that we kind of need on Linux for a lot of the tertiary stores that mm. don't really support Linux. I'm looking at you, GOG, and I'm looking at you, EGS. That or Epic Game Store for those that don't know. Yeah, I didn't know. Thanks for clarifying that. <laughs> so this is a native developed. So I recommend Heroic every day of the week over using something like Lutris and attaching EGS or Galaxy or any of that stuff because you just introduce so many other headaches that leave it dependent on the community to update and figure out what update broke what, whereas at least with Heroic, the developer is actually using the platform. Nice. So it, it really does matter. So there are times where native apps do matter. <laughs> and I'm usually one to be like, oh, it's Proton. Don't really care what magic makes it work as long as it works. But Heroic has EGS, GOG, and supports the, I think it's Prime Gaming stuff that you get with your Prime account. So you get occasionally free GOG games, free games that you can add to your EG, EGS game collection to go on top of the games that Epic usually gives out because they can't, you know, make a profit on their store. So it is the go-to that I use. They just had an update. I think it's to 
two something. I don't remember the exact release number, but they added game scope, which is kind of the compositor single focus that it gives for single, single app focus. Mm -hmm. So it gives you a lot of different selections now, as far as like, Oh, you can add like AMD FX, you know, super scaling and all that stuff as far as the resolution and get your performance. So to me, having something that is native developed and actually cares about the, the Linux community is great to see. I believe it got an epic mega grant, which is kind of ironic. <laughs> wow. Um, well, it says a lot about the Epic game store. They do have a breakdown of using the EGS client and they have a breakdown of using heroic and the, you know, people on Linux tend to really care about Ram usage and utilization and all the other stuff. And I'm very much in the, I don't care. I mean, we are to the point. You where, like, care when you're minus. watching your Ram hit 98% use and you're going, Oh crap, maybe I need more Ram. <laughs> but that's, that's more of a use case situation. Wendy. Yes. Yes. You're, it definitely not, is a use case. Right. You're not when 16 gigs and you're worried about like two gigs or most general users aren't going to care. But anyway, I think this uses like 300 megs as opposed to like EGS, oh, wow. which uses like nine, 900. Yeah, that's nice. But I, I mean, there's, there's certain pros and cons to that. Again, I'm not a big, like, I appreciate the work Lutris does, but we tend to poke Lutris as the go use Lutris. And it's like, ah, probably not the best solution for the, you know, if there's a native option that doesn't introduce more headaches that, potentially can be there then i'm all for that so that's why nate i've recommended mini galaxy to you before mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. uh, your your native stuff so heroic is my go-to and the reason i'm recommending this i've recommended it before is i was on x twitter or whatever whatever twix thing you whatever you want to call it twix. now yeah twix and there was delicious. this whole thing about <laughs> there was this whole thread about just EGS and how it's, you know, not a good store. And I was like, I'm like, I responded with just simply regardless of platform. Cause I use, you know, windows and Mac and all the other stuff, but yeah. I was like, regardless of platform, if I'm going to use anything related to EGS, it's not going to be the primary store. It's going to be heroic over all the other ones. Well, and one of the to cool me, things about that. Heroic that I'm seeing from their GitHub page is you can pretty much install it any way you want to. They have a flat pack. They've got native installer for, Debian and its derivatives, Arch, Fedora, and then they also mm -hmm. have an app image if you want to go that route or a tar. Like they have lots of different ways that you can install it. So I was talking to one of the developers of Heroic when I was at the Ubuntu Summit, and I said, Which way should I install it? And he goes, I like the flat pack. Like, okay. Nice. The yeah. I was gonna say it, it's a nice to see legit alternative because there were, I think it was PC gamer did an article and they talked about how they were using heroic and they compared it to EGS just like as a one-to-one. -one. Yeah. And they're like, Oh, like the actual files from the images for when you click on a game actually load like quickly. Wow. Whereas if you use EGS, it's calling it slow is an understatement. Uh, you know? It, yeah. So Definitely probably the best solution for anything related to GOG, anything related to Epic, or anything related to your Amazon Prime stuff. For nice. Linux, currently. 
because it solves a lot of headaches. I like Lutris, but it's just not the right solution a lot of the time. So I, what I like about Lutris over Heroic is the integration to like a lot of older games and game preservation like outside of GOG. And I think that's where Lutris really shines. Uh, so No, I, I agree. I agree. And so like if, if you want to do something that's like, especially, you know, to me, the golden age of PC gaming was the 90s. You know, I think we're a lot still of like, in them, according to you. Well, so does that I, mean you can play some of your DOS games in Lutris? Yes, and actually, it oh. handles yeah, all those spots. things quite nicely. Wow. Mm-hmm. So, no, I, I agree. And then, what's also really cool is you know, like old Linux games that were commercial titles. Like, remember the Loki installers, Matt? I'm sure you remember those. So, there, yep. so there's work behind the scenes in Lutris to be able to actually, basically, create like platforms or whatever, like trackable platforms of those older systems so you can play those old Linux games. That's actually the hardest thing to play in Linux are the old Linux games, believe it or not. <laughs> Weird, but whatever. And so working on making getting those to work effectively through Lutris. So that, that, that I think for game preservation, I feel like Lutris is kind of the, the go-to for more modern games. I think probably your your heroic seems a bit a, a bit easier, but I think it's, a, it's easier front end for sure. Yeah, it, it's again, it's more about right solution for the right task. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to me, if you're doing mo- modern gaming, using heroic is a lot more simple, easier than jumping through the potential breaks that Lutris can provide, have, mm-hmm. um, for those other launchers. Now, for things like emulation and like those, those essentially bottles is probably the best way to put mm-hmm. it because I know there's a bottles right. app, but, that is, I think, Lutris's strength. We tend to, oh, install GOG Galaxy through Lutris, where it's like, we have a native option. Why would you make that recommendation? You know, install EGS through Lutris. Why, oh, you know, why would you make that recommendation when you have a native solution? So to me, it's one of those like, oh, we don't have a native solution for the Rockstar launcher, the EA launcher, the, the, the Ubisoft Connect kind of works and kind of doesn't. It depends on the game and depends on if Valve's, you know, fixed it again. <laughs> right. So, for those solutions, I think something like Lutris is much more appropriate than just kind of this catch-all that a lot of people tend to throw at it. For sure. Interesting. But yeah, Heroic is pretty cool. I think it's a it's a real neat, it's a super neat project. It looks really good. It it also I think there's there's integration into like the Steam with it as well. So if you if you configure Steam it correctly, deck, yeah. yeah, so you know, the Steam Deck, so you can actually whatever you install on the Heroic will actually appear in the carousel or whatever you call it in the in steam yeah OS. yeah because basically if you go into the steam deck and you run egypt you're on heroic it gives you an option just to tell it to add to steam usually you have to mm-hmm. reboot steam in order for that to add but it adds to the carousel nice. so it's just like it's kind of like using emu deck on the, mm-hmm. on the steam deck same yep. it's like oh cool that integration is just the cat's pajamas right there pretty awesome yep. top notch and speaking of integration though nate you're trying to integrate Sounds like framework machines into your work. Yes. Yeah, so one of the 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 joys of going to Ubuntu Summit was I got to meet one of the developers for the framework, and I made some connections. They, you know, they got my business card for my my employer, uh, for which I'm an IT manager, and they're so they're actually working on building their business clientele. And I was really enthusiastic, and I think I, I think I previously talked about how I embarrassed myself a little bit 
with my enthusiasm, not knowing yes, the framework yes, developer was <laughs> work for framework. And I'm just telling him how much I like the framework and all these neat things it can do. And so I felt stupid after that. But anyway, he, he actually sent a message to like their, their business sales department, CCing me in my, in my work email saying, this might be the, probably the most enthusiastic framework, you know, enthusiastic customer for a uh, framework customer I've, I've met or something like that. Anyway, so I've actually began the transition actually as of today from day of recording that we're, we're, I'm going to start purchasing framework machines or there's one right now for someone in the, in the Texas facility and what they're going to get their, their machine will, uh, will be a framework. And so the, the thing is, it's, it's actually slightly cheaper than, than getting Lenovo, Dell or HP of, of similar spec. And the reason this machine is being retired that, that, that needs to be retired is because a port failed. And so they can't do their docs. Wow. And so, so it makes more sense. You know, these are business machines. So they're going to get beat on. And like Lewis Rossman, he's actually said how he's, you know, he's actually damaged his machine by dropping it or so, or whatever. And he actually just ended up breaking a port. So he put a new port in and it's good to go. So the way, the way I see it, if we move a transition to framework and the port gets cranked on or whatever, we buy another nine to $20 item as opposed to buying a, you know, $1,500 machine. And so the intent here is to save, you know, my company money in their, in their IT budget as much as possible. So the, I think it's, it's spec'd out right now. I got to go through the process of getting it, you know, the, the approval process since I, it's above a certain amount. So I don't approve those, those, those kind of, we, we have, there's a process for it. So I can't gotcha. just buy willy nilly, whatever, which I wouldn't cause I'm kind of cheap anyway, but it's, we're going to save just on this new, on this purchase for, for the, this employee, we're going to probably save between, you know, five and $800 somewhere in there just by going with framework and going wow. with the, uh, uh, an, another solution. So and that's we'll, not including the future savings of just being able to fix the piece that's broken. Right. And so I, I talked to her about it today. I says, Hey, this is the machine. I sent her a link. I said, this, these are the benefits of it. One, the keyboard's really great on the framework. Actually, it's probably the best laptop, modern laptop keyboard you can buy. I think the Dell's from like 10, 10 years ago are better, but marginally, but this, this is a really nice keyboard. And, and so I think she'll be happy with there. You know, she traveling. She's you know, mo- she's mobile and she's on site. So this would be good for her. We already have USB C docking stations that she uses. So there's no new purchases there. Mm. And and so this and, I, and you know, again, if a port gets cranked on, place the port. We're good to go. And you know, if the screen gets broken because we've had to replace other machines due to such things, we replace those parts and we're good to go. So that that transit that's happening. Uh, I think tomorrow we'll probably have it ordered. I think we're gonna have to ship it to the Michigan facility because you have to assemble them because they're, 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 uh, they're ready to go models are not, not the specifications we, we desire. So oh, we're just going gotcha. to, we're just going to build it ourselves. I don't know if I, I should maybe ask if she wants a specifically colored bezel, but anyway. So you said we are going to build it ourselves. Is this one of those fun projects that you get to do or is somebody else going to get to do it? Uh, so when I say we, I mean like the IT team. So it's me and one other guy. And, massive uh, like, team. It's just the biggest. massive team. So uh, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna send it to, to Michigan first because I w- I want him to actually assemble it ultimately because I think we're, that's gonna be where we're going to that's gonna be the route we go and then we'll ship it to the other facility. So oh um, nice yeah. So the computer. So she's not, like, not local to you. She's in one of the no. Other she's not, yeah. Then. So yeah. yeah. Correct. And and I think it'll be it'll be fun for him to see it. He's excited about it. He thinks it's he thinks it's the right way to go. My my immediate supervisor. She thinks it's the best way to go. And she actually looked at it. It's like, wow, that's actually really nice. I like it. 
So that might be the direction we go. And, you know, so between the, the framework 13s and the framework 16, you know, if people want a larger one, I, right now I can't do framework 16 because it's just not available. So we'll, we'll keep doing those. But for someone who wants a smaller machine, which she actually requested a smaller machine that's more portable, I'm like, whoop, perfect. And also like, I don't have to be worried about if, if uh, it gets damaged in transit because we can just buy replacement parts. So there's all yeah. these benefits. And, and, and so hopefully we'll be, hopefully my company will be a good customer to framework going forward. And, and, and this is because Matt really hates talking about 3D printing, but I just want to, as an aside, I'm working on a framework project just using a main board. I've designed a, a cradle to hold on to, to the, it's, it's, it's still in works, but to hold on to a framework main board and contain a battery as well, which instead of being, you know, next to each other like this, I'm folding it underneath. And so mm-hmm. I'm really excited about this. This is just kind of a preview of things to come and, and I went to some 3D printing framework talk for the future. I'm so. super excited about that. I absolutely love it when you're talking about the framework stuff too. I know it's on my radar. I think, I can't remember if it was during the show or if it was pre-show us talking about, you know, framework again and, and me needing to look for a something portable. So I would be holding out, not that I have funding available to me right now to buy a laptop at the moment. But if I did, I'd still be holding out for that 16 inch model because I do mm-hmm. like a larger screen. Obviously I've right. got multiple screens and I'd even want to take a portable screen with me just to get the work that I'm doing on it. Oh, for sure. But I'm curious how it works for you guys. I know you've loved yours and it's going to be interesting to see how they're working in a business environment. Now I got to play with a 16. I think I told you that already. I got to move pieces and parts around. Mm, it yeah. is so cleverly designed. Like I am so impressed by how it's designed. Like the work that went into it. And it was just, this was just an engineering sample model. So like a prototype, not a prototype, but yeah. an engineering sample. So not all the talents were great. You know, we're hundred percent. I wanted to take pictures of it just because it was so cool. But I, I, he's like, I don't know if you should take pictures. I'm, nope. Nope. I'm not going to, right, Yeah, you know, we're good. But anyway, super cool. I think it's, I, I hope this is the future of laptop computers. It's like, it's like the fun of the desktops sort of kind of coming back a little bit, sort of. Yeah. Awesome. So Wendy, I am, I'm not fighting a framework battle, but you're fighting a Da Vinci battle. What, what is this? What is this? What is this fight? And, and are you sore? Do you get knocked out? Who's, who's winning? I, I think I've been knocked out and I'm, I'm pretty sure at this point, Da Vinci's winning in the fact that it doesn't want to install properly in a lot of places. So I, it was running fine on my Garuda system and I did an update Sunday morning Sunday morning or Saturday morning or anyway, the day that DL was like recording again on Sunday and just knocking a whole bunch of stuff out, knocking two shows out. And then I spent most of the day trying to get it installed. And I, I couldn't figure out because it was just like a point really. So it's 18.6.3. So I, I'd been on point two. It had been running fine. No problem. I'd done the update from there before I run the update and it wouldn't launch. And the worst thing about it is I'm checking the the logs and all of that stuff and i'm not finding any actual errors which is hmm. absolutely frustrating so i'm like okay so I, I wonder if it's too new i'm trying it on an ubuntu system and ubuntu i can get studio because i've got ubuntu studio being able to get it to launch but the downside of that is then like the .mov files 
they have audio, but no video, which is really weird. And I don't know if that has something to do with the AMD drivers. I don't know whether it has something to do with the version of FFmpeg that's running. I don't know because it, it's fine. I'm able to put in my license key. It runs, but nothing. I can get it to run on Fedora, but I'm getting these really weird issues with these GPU errors. And you can't install the NVIDIA proprietary drivers, not NVIDIA, the AMD proprietary drivers on Fedora. They do have some other workarounds and stuff. And like I said, I'm, I'm getting these GPU errors. And I sent a message to Neil over Mastodon. was like, hey, how do I get it to work there? And I will share a link to the following conversation. But it was not promising at hmm. all. Not promising at all. And Manjaro had been my usual go-to, my previous go-to before I started to be on Garuda on a regular basis. I threw Manjaro up and was really frustrated that they haven't updated the ISO in so long that the update process was already flipping broken because the updates from the ISO that you download to what needed to be installed was thrown errors and it wouldn't flip hmm. an update. So I, I didn't even yeah. try to install DaVinci on it because I'm like, I'm not dealing with a system that updates are already broken, right? I know on an Arch-based system, it's not Arch, it's an Arch-based system, but you still need to be doing pretty regular updates. And so, yeah, just, just pretty frustrated with DaVinci on Linux in general right now. So yes, you were supposed to be getting an episode of LOL during the Thanksgiving week. That didn't happen between fighting with DaVinci and trying to get ready for company over that. So you are getting that a week late and we'll just kind of start the two week schedule from there. It's just kind of the way that it works sometimes. And I'm sure most people were busy during that time because it would have dropped, I guess, the day before Thanksgiving. And so, yeah, people, people just crazy busy. So you are getting that one a week late and then this one won't technically be late. We'll just keep with that every two weeks from there, but it is a battle. And with some of the clients that I am delivering videos to, DaVinci is a necessary part of that workflow. They use DaVinci and that file, when I'm sending them stuff in the end, has to come with a DaVinci project file. So it's not like I can just jump to something else. I can't use another editor. I rely on it. And it has me... I feel so gross. Like I feel so absolutely dirty even mentioning this, but it has me considering getting an NVIDIA graphics card. Don't, don't hate me. I don't need the hate mail. I already hate myself. I, I um, thought you were going to say you were considering using OpenSUSE. Ooh. I mean, so, if you that's a, painful too. If you had a non-broken rolling release, yeah, then you would ditch the arch. But Okay, so I, I will totally talk to you about that off off camera or whatever, even on if I can get DaVinci working just fine with the proprietary drivers for AMD. And it could be the only system that I'm using for that, right? It, it could be just straight up. That's the only thing I boot into that system for is DaVinci. And then to be honest, scared to ever update that thing. I could have used another word there, but I'll say thing. Just, just so that it, you know, absolutely continues to work and the stuff, the work that I need to get done gets done. I'm not opposed to using OpenSUSE, but I know for a fact 
that it really does prefer prefer at least the OpenCL proprietary drivers. The rest of the stack doesn't need to be proprietary, but OpenCL does seem to need to be proprietary in order to make that work in the back end. And then just dealing with a version of FFmpeg and H.264 encoders and stuff that that work in general. So it is a bit of a fight. And I know in one of the episodes of DL, Ryan talked about how there was some community feedback saying, you know, what what do you think Linux is missing? And I would love it if it was just easier to install on a Linux desktop in general. I know where Red Hat has made some changes recently. And DaVinci was supporting Red Hat's CentOS and uh, a special version of Rocky Linux that maybe they're going to have to go another route because CentOS as it was in comparison to Rail isn't necessarily an option. So I'd love to see it, you know, natively being able to install on a DaVinci system or a Flatpak something like that. So it's just easier to install that it is shipping with some older libraries. So even on Garuda or whatnot, you're having to change some libraries that it's referencing to in order to get it to launch. But I I love Linux and I was a Linux user first before DaVinci. And I still want to be able to use what I need to get my work done on a Linux operating system. I I love it. I absolutely love Plasma. Plasma has spoiled me over the years with the options that it gives me and just the user interface. And I don't want to use anything else but a Plasma desktop and Linux underneath. So that's my current battle right now. It's not as much fun. It did put a show out like plus the holiday, all of that good stuff, more robotic stuff coming. That's also eating up my time. But I'll, I'll get it figured out. I was kind of sad when the stuff coming from Neil wasn't quite so positive and just being able to get it to work. But, you know, it is what it is. Well, I, I don't have any real solid information right now on the AMD GPU Pro. I know that it does exist. It is available. I, but I'll have to do some digging. Uh, okay. it's, probably not, it's probably not mainline. You know, it's, it's definitely not mainline. So I, I yeah, and from Arch, from Archbase system, I've been installing the OpenCL component from the AUR in order to get that to work. There are a few distros that do have it straight up, like, you know, Ubuntu does. They do have, or AMD does make the proprietary driver package for that system. But then, like I said, I'm running into other errors. And I know for sure that DaVinci likes NVIDIA graphics cards better. They actually develop more for the line of NVIDIA graphics cards. And then it's so easy to install the proprietary drivers for NVIDIA on any distro, on any distro. There's no problem. But for AMD, the one who is the most open is the biggest struggle to get those. And when you have to have them, like even Darktable, even Darktable, if I'm using OpenCL for Darktable, it really does want those drivers directly from the, the proprietary ones in order to get it to work. If I'm using the open OpenCL files, I haven't got it to work. I've only been able to get it to work with a proprietary OpenCL. 
in Darktable, which is a 100% open source program. So maybe I'm doing it wrong. That's a thousand percent possibility. I'm not saying that I got this right. I'm just a user. I'm just a user that uses Linux and I'm really dumb when it comes to the back end of things. And I'm open with the fact that it could be me. It, I could be the problem. So if I am, if it is me and you do know a way to fix that, I'm all ears. Totally open. When they, did you turn it on, turn it off again? I did. I did turn uh, it on and turn it off again. And we'd reached a point on that Sunday that I was ready to office space my desktop. <laughs> I, I think, I Wendy, it. your version of office, office space in your desktop would simply just be looking at NVIDIA to begin with. That that Like I said, that does make me feel really, really gross in order to do that, but... You know, it's kind of along the lines that you've talked about. You use the right tool for the job. And sometimes that does include choosing hardware that works nicely with the software that you need to use. And in that case, that's where NVIDIA would come in because it doesn't matter what distro I want to use. All of that stack is available in any of them. And it's just not available for AMD, which is weird. Yeah, I was going to say the one thing is a lot of distros go out of their way to actually ship a lot of the NVIDIA stuff, yeah. usually in the ISO. Yeah. Um, not always, but for the most part. But typically you know, they Ubuntu do. Pop, like Ubuntu, Pop OS, a lot, of, a lot of the mainline distros do, or major distros do. So. Yeah. No, I definitely, I definitely understand your frustration. And don't get it twisted. We're not saying NVIDIA is great because it has its own stack of problems. But right, in this yeah. case, for use case... It might be the only option the user, ironically, Wendy here, can use. And it is what it is. And if, you know, I know a lot of the purists are going to be like, oh, my God, you're, you're using the evil empire. And it's like, oh, Nate uses MS Teams. So, you know, we all use the evil <laughs> empire in different ways. And, and Bill has to use Windows for work. So it's being able to have the environment that I want you know, still being able to run things on Linux and then have the software that is the productivity that I need. And if that means getting an NVIDIA graphics card, I will do it so that I have the consistency that it not breaking as often, at least anyway, with updates, because I have those necessary drivers everywhere. As Wendy almost throws up in the process of saying that. So <laughs> yeah. real quick, Matt, in my defense... Yes, I use Teams all the time and Outlook, which by the way, that the mail client that talked about on Destination Linux, the uh, I can't what's remember what it's called, but yeah, I know I know Prospect the one mail, you're talking I had to check. Yeah. That's actually what I use all the time. I wrote an article on cubegrenade.com about that. I should have probably put that in the forums. But Were anyway, you the one who sent in the listener feedback for that one? I don't know, maybe I don't think so. Um <laughs> I listen, so that said, uh, um, no, you don't, don't lie. No, I don't, I don't remember. I, I've been hit too many times in the head. So I, I will say Microsoft has made strides in making using Linux in the Microsoft ecosystem way better than it was. I would say the, you know, I, when I started my job, I tried living on Windows exclusively. It was so painful and it made me actually hate the, hate doing the work. Good job. Yeah. So, but now, now that I'm using OpenSUSE regularly, it, it makes the job fun. So, uh, anyway, Matt, I uh, you you did you did like, like what 
gave me a little bit of a, a ribbing on the living in Microsoft land now. I live in the OpenSUSE land with a little sprinkling of Microsoft now. Well, heavy sprinkling of Microsoft. There we go. There's the right answer. A dumping of Microsoft, but nonetheless, <laughs> on OpenSUSE. <laughs> and they have terrible documentation. It's real bad. Microsoft or OpenSUSE? Microsoft. OpenSUSE. <laughs> Microsoft. <laughs> it might be some of the worst. And they have lots of it. They have lots of really dumpy documentation. So. Oh, come on. Anytime you open up the the problem, you know, troubleshooting thing that it tells you to go to when you have a problem, it gives you the best advice. Turn it on and turn it off. Throw it against the wall. They need and to Bill bring back. exactly what I mean. They That's need to why I'm bring back my head. Clippy because Clippy was useless and so is Microsoft documentation. So you may as well just put them all back together. <laughs> you might as well use Clippy. <laughs> Clippy's at least Clippy cute. was secretly Microsoft Bob. I still stand by this statement. It's probably true. But Clippy was cute. And I even have Clippy stickers for my uh, Telegram. He was cute, huh? I think we have different definitions of cute. Yes. <laughs> Just like we have different definitions of what's healthy, Nate. Like your unhealthy obsession with OpenSUSE. It keeps me alive and breathing and happy, so... So notice he does not disregard or deny the fact that it's unhealthy. It's I'm just saying. not unhealthy. Once again, it's yeah. Totally healthy. It's a good balance now- of, of, you know, it's my, it's my computing staple. Now it's your turn to toss in your two cents on today's topics. Hit the discourse form. Drop us a line under this video or visit the contact form by going to textdigital.com slash contact. If you'd like to hang out with us on our preferred social media, see the links in the bottom of the show description. Find other great shows like Fit and Fueled, Destination Linux, Linux Saloon, and so much more at textdigital.com. Show off your love for your favorite shows and podcasts by visiting the Text Digital merch store. Grab yourself some awesome swag like the gamer-centric I paused my game to be her shirt or join hashtag Team Wendy with some sinister Wendy swag. As always, we thank you for joining us. We'll be back next time with another awesome episode of Links Out Loud. Until then, keep the banter friendly, the conversation somewhat on topic, and have fun doing it.